In December, when our producer's wife was told she had cancer, the agony was real. It was palpable. The very real prospect of death was ominous, especially in contrast to Christmas all around. Of course, after the surgery, they told the family it wasn't cancer. That joy was just as palpable, actually even more so. Good news, real good news, trumps the prognosis of the human condition every time. Death on this earth is inevitable, but rather than tossing cliched phrases of comfort, we are called, no, we are commissioned to share the good news and witness the human condition come alive with the truth. For even in death, we rest for the day, as John Donne wrote, when death shall be no more, death thou shalt die. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome to Sabbath School University. Now I have three wonderful guests. Um, one of you's first-time guests. I know you've been on, and been you on have before. been on before. So I want you to introduce yourselves. Tell tell us your name. Tell us something interesting about you, and then I'm going to invite you to pray, and we can get into the lesson. Okay. I'll start right here on my left. I'm Ruthie, and I'm a senior here at Andrews University, and I'm taking speech language pathology. My name is Christina, and something interesting was um, I just recently became a newlywed to this handsome gentleman over here. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Tyler, and uh, you just stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say congratulations to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, our key text is coming from 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and it reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and with the dead in Christ will rise first. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we get to open your word, and I ask that you will please uh, bless us, help us to be able to think clearly and to be able to not say our own words, but your words. I ask that you will please come to this study today, and we love you in your name. Amen. 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 So this week, we're talking about the state of the dead. The title of the lesson is The Dead in Christ. And, uh, you know, the first question that I, that I want to start off with before we actually really get into um, the topic of the state of the dead is, is a question about living Adventism. Um, this, week, st this week the lesson talks about what it means to live as an Adventist and uh, I want you to explain to me what does this expression mean to you? Well to live like an Adventist I think it depends on where you're asking the question. Here at, on the campus of Andrews University they're going to probably think about it a lot in the context of uh, the de denomination Seventh-day Adventist. So mm -hmm. to live as a Seventh-day Adventist, you're not going to drink, you don't eat pork, um, 
uh, a lot of vegetarianism. Yeah. People are generally healthy. Uh, they're thinking of those things. But um, if you really get to the root of the word and why the name is actually in the name of the denomination, mm -hmm. uh, what, Advent, what it is to be an Adventist is to look forward to the soon second coming of Christ. Yeah. And, um, and that's something that can be foreign to people when you're thinking about the second coming of Christ in terms of what's actually going to happen, in terms of um, what it means. And there, for some people, there's fear. Yeah. Um, not knowing how he's going to come back. Um, but I think a true understanding of Christ's character and what's actually going to happen on that day, um, it, it's something to really look forward to. And yeah. to live like an Adventist is somebody that will spread the news of what's actually going to happen that day mm. and what that, mean, you know, what that means in the context of what Christ did for us and, um, and how, we should, <clears throat> excuse me, ex how we should live every day. Yeah. Um, looking forward to when he comes back. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent. Any other ideas? What does it mean I think, living like an Adventist? I think kind of a step, step, I guess a bigger picture, I'd say a step, step backwards. Um, as I was thinking about it, and when I originally saw that question, I was thinking, okay, what does it mean to live for God? And not just to be an Adventist, but to live for God. And um, I recently, my cousin recently passed away from cancer. And so I've been... Um, thinking a lot about him and the intro made me think about him even mm. more and uh, one of the things that he said that I loved was he said living for God is brave and reckless and I, I was thinking that's kind of one thing that always has been re resonating with me is that he not only do you have to be brave but it's kind of a reckless life and I think there's a misconception when people think oh to be if you believe in God everything is going to be perfect mm. you're going to have this perfect life you're going to be able to smell the roses and you'll meet your prince charming and they kind of have this misconceived life about being with God and for me looking at Weston's life like he Weston was the most dedicated person I have ever met you know who really loved the Lord and his life was rough mm. he got in a terrible car accident when he was Three, which um, caused him to have brain damage. They thought that he was going to die. Um, he woke up out of his coma and basically was blind. And then um, dealing with that all his life. And then when he turned uh, 19, he got hit with cancer really oh. hard. And it went to, first it started in his um, jawbone and then it spread throughout his whole body and eventually went to his lungs. And the whole entire time he was praising the Lord and oh. he was witnessing. And, you know, he said, yeah, my, my life, it's terrible. But I wouldn't change a single day because I've lived it with God by my side. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is living a life with God. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, when you think, when you, on the same question, what does it mean to live like an Adventist? You know, when you ask someone to describe something, usually you think of, um, what sets it apart from something else? How mm -hmm. can, if I say, you know, describe your car in the parking lot, you're going to tell me something that's unique about your car that you can tell your car different from right. other cars. What is, what is it, in a sense, living like an Adventist? Um, how can someone tell that you're an Adventist, you know, from all the other cars in the parking lot? I think that that's um, something that when you're 
out in society and you're talking with people and you're getting to know them, there's a change with you because you're in love with Jesus. Okay. And when you're in love with Jesus, that just shines out of you. And when you're looking forward to Him coming, when you're looking forward to the, the expectation of, of Him coming down from mm -hmm. the clouds and coming for you as mm -hmm. an individual, um, that, that just shines forth out of you. Mm -hmm. You can't hide it. It's like a, um, when you have an exciting moment in your life, yeah. you can't help but share that with everybody yeah. that you're friends with. Yeah. And sure. I think that sets you apart. I think too there's a peace that comes and mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's really hard to describe and unless you've experienced it you know, but it's kind of this, you don't, yeah there's things that happen and, and there's cancer and there's death and there's car accidents, but you have peace about it okay. as opposed to not, no, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be mournful yeah. and you're not going to go through all the grieving emotions, but there's this peace that only God can give and yeah. I think that sets us apart because you know, we, we shouldn't be worried because we know that there's something greater there. Yeah. And so it's, sure. I, I feel like there's that peace. And I think mm -hmm. in terms of specifics, um, I know that I don't live around a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. I have the church, but when I'm explaining to somebody, because oftentimes it's the first time they've ever heard Adventist, mm. it, like you said, explaining the differences, we go to church on Saturday. That's yes. our Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of beliefs, we believe in the Bible. And then um, our unique belief on the state of the dead. Yeah. That's something that um, I know for me in being a convert to Adventism is something that's given me a lot of mm -hmm. hope and a lot of peace um, to know, um, you know, that my relatives are sleeping right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and to look forward to when they're going to rise at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, the state of the dead is something that's, that's unique to, mm -hmm. to the Adventist church for sure. Very true and I'm, I'm glad you brought that out because I mean that's really the direction that we're going in in this lesson. Um, and yes, Adventists definitely have a unique understanding, a unique perception and perspective from Scripture uh, of the state of the dead. Now, not everyone believes that. Um, tell me, share with me a little bit, what are some of the ways that unbelievers cope with, you know, mortality mm -hmm. and death? Well, there's that saying that there's no atheist in, on, a, on a sinking ship. Okay. And uh, I had, I went to grade school with all of my cousins. It was a really small little uh, grade school. And my one cousin, he just didn't want to believe in God. And he just thought the whole, you know, be, believing in God was just nonsense. So he would mock us all the time. Mm. And I remember specifically, I was just in first grade, and he'd be like, oh, you better go to church, and you better pray, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, my mom came one day to pick us up from school, and she said, oh, your cousins need to come with because um, our youngest cousin was in a really bad car accident, West in the same oh, one. Okay, okay. And we all got in the car, and I remember, like, it was a very serious moment. My mom was kind of tearing up. And I remember I looked back at my cousin, who was always taunting me and everything, and I looked back at him, and he had his hands like folded and his head bowed and he was just praying. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when we look at the outside and if I was to look at the, um, you know, the state of the dead objectively, either you can believe in a second coming, you can have hope, you have this one option, or you cannot believe at all. Mm -hmm. Like which, which one would you choose? And I think looking at it from a distance, it, it makes zero sense to not believe in mm -hmm. it because what else is there? Yeah. Nothing? Yeah. Very good point. And you know, um, I, I like the point that you brought out about what else, what other hope 
can you have? Um, because if yes, if if you take away the you know the hope of heaven and the new earth, if you take that hope away, and you say, when you die, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. um, that is for me a, a lot harder to deal with. That's a lot mm -hmm. harder to cope with, um, because when you lose someone, especially someone you love, there's no hope of getting them back ever. Mm -hmm. um, but talk to me now what that hope means to you, the hope that we have in the second coming in the, in the new heaven and the new earth and seeing loved ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus again. Talk to me about what that hope means to you. Well, to me, um, when I was around 14, 13, 14, my grandfather, who was a very godly man and who I loved dearly, mm -hmm. passed away. And his final words that I remember him saying were, I want to see Jesus and I want to see my wife. Mm -hmm. and those were the last two things that I heard him say. And for me, that was a really, really, really um, key point in my life because I realized that I wanted to see that too. I wanted to see Jesus and I wanted to see my grandfather again. Yeah. And um, that has kept me going and following because I know that that's, that's a key role for me. And that's the hope I have. Wow, yeah. I think too, um, I was working in Ethiopia for a year this last year. And they, like here in a developed country, we have a lot of other resources that we can kind of use. We have antibiotics for everything. And so death isn't, I mean, it's common, especially now with cancer and such, but it's not as common. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was working over there, I realized that there was a sense of hopelessness in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And I had never really seen it before. And it was just something that then when we were, we later did this evangelistic series and when we, um, preached on the state of the dead, and especially the second coming, their eyes just lit up. Mm. And it was the fact of something, you know, like they, they had children die all the time from malnutrition. They had people die just from like car accident, things that could easily be fixed. So death was very, you know, it was something very everyday to them. And the fact that like when we were preaching and we said, you know, there, there is a second coming, there is hope. Their eyes lit up and it was something that I, I don't really know how else to describe, but mm -hmm. they just, they were relieved. And I think that when, when we look at the Bible and when we're telling about others, like this is something that not only should set us apart, but this is something that we should be shouting from the mountaintops. Like this is something that will take unbelievers and make them believers just alone knowing like the state of the dead and second coming. Yeah. And uh, you were asking how unbelievers attempt to deal with mortality. Uh -huh. Um, a lot of times they don't. Um, for a large part, it's ignoring that. Even though death is, you know, is on this earth is a given, um, you know, short of Christ's coming, um, people don't deal with it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's just such a strange thing. I've seen it in my family where people have died and because you don't think about it and when you don't have that hope, um, like you said, the ability to cope with it is, is, is just not there. And then you kind of put it aside, and um, you know people have have real problems because yeah. they don't they don't have an understanding of what's going to happen now. Yeah, they've they've taken time and effort to um, you know to be free of of God and free of yeah. of 
these rules that they say are are so binding on your life, mm-hmm. um, but in so doing, in in trying to ignore the fact that God exists and trying to ignore the hope, uh, they're missing out on a huge part of life, and it, it causes them problems in the end a lot of times. For sure, mm-hmm. and then sometimes sometimes they try to drown out this pain that they might be experiencing, mm-hmm. and they turn to other things that you know, aren't necessarily providing any consolation or any hope, but it's just a distraction. You know, it might turn to alcohol or drugs mm-hmm. or, you know, and, you know, these things are, in a sense, like Jeremiah calls them broken cisterns, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and they don't really hold any water, where Jesus is that living water, and He does provide us hope, mm-hmm. real hope, mm-hmm. of, a, of a second coming and a, and a future. Um, living forever with him. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's on that note go to scripture. What does scripture say about the state of the dead? Well, if you turn to Genesis chapter two, verse seven, okay, it talks about the Lord forming the uh, man from the dust of the ground, mm-hmm. and it says, it says, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Mm-hmm. So we see there that the first beginning of life. And then you also see later on where it says, from dust you have become, yeah. to mm-hmm. dust you will return. Mm-hmm. So that's the beginning of the, um, the text on the state of the dead. Yeah. And um, you also look at chapter three, and the first thing that the serpent says to mm-hmm. Eve is, you shall not surely die. Yeah. So you have that combination of those two thoughts. You know, one thing that um, I find very interesting in that text that, you know, you have God forming Adam, you know, mm-hmm. out of the dust of the ground, and he's, he's not alive yet. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he has a form and, and shape, and in a sense he has a body, mm-hmm. but he's not alive yet. And then God breathes into his nostrils, and he breathes that breath of life mm-hmm. into him. And then the Bible says that he became... A living soul or a living being and um, and so in a sense it's that recipe the body mm-hmm. plus the spirit mm-hmm. you know the breath of life mm-hmm. um, makes a living soul or, or a living person um, not necessarily that someone has a soul that is some somewhere floating around or, or anything like that you know um, it, is that kind of what you were yeah, definitely. yeah for sure and I think I think of the analogy of you know the light bulb. You know, a light bulb in by itself doesn't give any light, but then you put some electricity going through the light bulb, and then you get light. And in a sense, it's like the body and you know the breath of life making a living soul. Mm-hmm. What what uh, what else does the Bible say about the state of the dead? Well, I'd like to go back just to um, what Ruthie was saying about how. Um, one of the first things that Satan said, his, his first uh, lie, was saying that you will not surely die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pervasive view, I think, kind of in, in secular spirituality and also um, in, um, in Christianity in general, is that this view of an eternal burning hell or, mm-hmm. an, uh, or an immediate... Uh, going to heaven mm-hmm. and um, that's something that's not supported and that's that's kind of what what Satan was saying is that 
you're not surely going to die. You will, you will live forever. You will either live forever in heaven when you die or you will live forever in hell being tormented. Mm. Um, that's what Satan said. What God said was, if you eat of the tree, then you will die. Mm-hmm. And, and death, is not, death is not a different kind of life. Death is the absence of life. Mm-hmm. And I think just as you were saying mm-hmm. with the light bulb, and, and that's how it goes back to, mm-hmm. you know, this is a creation story. There might be people out there saying, why are you talking about this as if it's death? Well, with the light bulb, the way that light bulb works is that that electricity that goes in there, that's not the light. No. And the light bulb itself it's can't produce the light on its own. Um, it's the two together. Um, and just with, we have a body, but we don't have uh, a cognitive spirit mm-hmm. that embodies, it didn't, it didn't say God created the body of man mm-hmm. and a cognitive spirit that has a personality and a character and an ability to learn, mm-hmm. and he put that into him. What he put into him was the breath of life right. and created that soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, we can't, differentiate that it's it's a really um it's it's an important thing to uh to the way that we believe in and it's consistent through the bible yeah yeah now this quarter i mean we're talking about the writings of paul in in thessalonians i want to talk now what about about what paul says regarding people who have died yeah that uh we'll go back to our key text uh in first thessalonians 4 um I believe you read 16. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just continue on to 17 as well. Okay. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. So we know that. Mm -hmm. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like that's that to me is so comforting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It says a number of things in those in those two verses. Number one, that what's going to happen with uh, those people who are who are dead in Christ, and if, if you actually go up to verse thirteen, it talks about them who have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. That uh, that the state that they're in is similar to a sleep, and that Christ will call them up and they will be brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And at that time. We're going, to, we're going to see those loved ones. We're going to see Christ in the clouds and all at once. You can just, like, it's, to me it's unimaginable, but it, it is just so exciting to think that we're going to see everybody that we love and we're going to see Jesus all at one time, just like you said that you're looking forward to. to. That's what Paul says that we have to look forward to. That's the hope that we have. Um, and he, and he speaks about it so clearly in Thessalonians. It's, it's just such a fantastic passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can have an assurance that our relatives aren't um, tortured or aren't in yeah. one place or another, but are resting right now from all the cares that they have, and then they're going to be raised up and we'll get to see them again. Yeah. I think that's the most exciting thing that could possibly happen. For sure, for sure. Because I know, I know we've, we've all perhaps experienced you know, death Maybe mm-hmm. of a relative or a close friend or something, uh, at some point in our lives, and yeah, we we do want to be able to have that hope mm-hmm. that we'll see them again. Now, um, we know that this resurrection happens at the second coming when mm-hmm. Jesus comes back again. Now, where can we go in Scripture for assurance of Jesus' second coming? 
Well, there's lots of places, but one of my favorite books is actually Revelation. Okay. And it, it all through Revelation, it talks about Jesus coming again, and, and the entire book is actually just looking through his second coming. And um, my, my favorite part is where he says, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's coming down, and he's come down, and then he raises people, and he's wiping their tears away yeah. and making them. And that's in Re- uh, Revelation chapter 21 yeah. and verse 4. And there shall be no more crying. So there's a promise right there that he's going to be coming. And um, chap- chapter 21, verse 2, and it says, I, saw, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming mm-hmm. down. So there's a and there's an assurance right there that um, he will be coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, in everyday terms, how can a Christian express to others the hope of eternal life? Well, I think that this is something that you know when we when we go back to the first question, what is it to live like an Adventist? I think this should be kind of our foundation. Mm-hmm. It's something that people want. I think of, you know, from a witnessing opportunity, what, are, what will people really want to know? Of course, they want to know, you know, the love of Jesus, but also the hope. And I think so often it's easy, you know, if you, you read things about the stars and you think, oh, they have everything, like, the, you know, the Hollywood stars. And, okay. and a lot of them are depressed. And depression is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And you see commercials for it now that here's some drug that will help with your depression or, oh, you just need to make more money or, oh, if you were prettier enough, you know, there's all these things that the world is bombarding us with saying that this can help you. But the answer to that is it's Jesus Mm -hmm. always. And it's easy, especially if you lose a loved one, to go into that depressed state. Um, It's really hard. Like after Weston passed away and after my grandma passed away, I I went through that mourning period, you know? And Mm -hmm. I I went through all of those emotions, but the thing that I did was I clung to his promises. And I love where, you know, he says, behold, I'm coming quickly. And I think it's going to be so exciting when we were talking about being you know, with our loved ones, being able to be caught up again. And those who are sick, to see them not in the last state that we saw where cancer had, you know, taken his body, but to see Weston again with his full, like, happy, you know, full, handsome self. I just, it's, to me, that's what we should be sharing to people. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, we're about to close, but if you could tell me, uh, Ruthie and Tyler, in your own words, How do you express the hope of eternal life to others? Well, I know personally when uh, my grandfather died, I struggled with that. Mm -hmm. I just struggled with how can can this kind of thing happen? And then I found so many wonderful promises in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And now when I have friends who have gone through similar experiences, I can show them in the Bible these wonderful promises of Jesus' coming. And so I take them straight to the Bible and say, "Um, this is the hope. This is the exciting part. You know, this, we're not going to always be without them. We're going to see them again someday. Excellent. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Excellent. Tyler. We, we've talked about the context of loved ones, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think everyone realizes on this earth that there should be something more. Mm-hmm. Those who live without the hope of eternal life, uh, without the hope that Christ is preparing a place for us, um, I, I don't know how I could live that way. And I know that I did for a number of years. Yeah. Um, but to have the hope that there's something better, that on this earth we can work to make this world better, but know that there's something better and can share that with other people. It means everything. It means everything. Yeah. Thanks for joining us here mm-hmm. on Sabbath School U.
If you'd like to contact us, please visit us at our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot O-R-G. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.